It takes more than sweet ASCII drawings in your code comments to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 248. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I am your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about all the non-tech stuff. And this week's episode, every digit is a power of two. Whoa, we're getting closer to 256, too. We are. Another bit. One more another bit. Another day, another bit. That's right. Yep. <laughs> we're six weeks away from saturating eight bits in our episode numbers. Not eight yeah. bits. Wait. I want to thank our patrons. Yes, eight bits. Oh. Don't you dare thank those patrons while I'm thinking about bitwise math. <laughs> Dave, we would have no way of knowing. It's impossible. <laughs> Give it up. Okay, I was right. Sorry. Ooh, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've worried about uh, powers of two values, but I, I kind of just had this moment of fear that I had forgotten how many bits are in 256. I used to think about it every day, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's like when a golfer starts getting the yips. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you don't know what the yips are? No. It's like old man golfer disease. Okay. I don't know if it's a real medical condition, but when golfers get older, they get shakier and it messes up their stroke. Mm. So you just notice, you like jerk the putter or something. I'm not sure. What's it called when your pinky has a tremor and shakes because you've held your smartphone and stared at Twitter for too long? <laughs> Twitter yips. <laughs> The Twitter yips. That's what I have. Yeah, uh, yeah I have I have smartphone-related repetitive stress injuries. As do I. But unironically. Actually, truly, in real life, I do. Yeah, me too. I actually went to a hand therapist. <laughs> life-changing, I'll say. I want my life changed. But first, I want to read these patron <laughs> names. Okay, Thank you it. to the folks who are supporting us at the level where we shout them out every single week. Thank you to Nick Cantar, The Agile Ventures Charity, Chris Hogan, Braden Kane, Stephen Armandly, Philip John Basile, John Grant, Dennis Bogdanov, Travis Saunders, Nick Hathaway, Oladapo Fadier, Karen Sveinson, Ragnar Harrison, Christian Polanco, Roman Denisov, FizzBuzz Influencer, Adrian Bordnick, and TestingIsDocumenting.org. Thank you to those folks. Thank you to everybody else who has supported us. You keep the show going. You pay for the stuff that the show needs. It turns out it needs stuff, and you pay for it, which is what I just said, but That's right. switched around. <laughs> we have needs you have dollars let's get together yeah and because these people did they get invited to our slack group team channel community org we used to say cult but i think that was insensitive so we stopped until today <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've decided to not worry about offending the cult members yeah <laughs> what are they gonna do yeah <laughs> draw creepy signs on my grass and okay that does sound bad uh, that was not an invitation by the way <laughs> <laughs> if you want to join this illustrious group you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on patreon and then uh get an invite and help support the show thank you all right shall i read our first question yep okay this comes from an anonymous listener who says our engineering manager keeps sneaking slash creeping on our private slack channels as an admin of the workspace, he can join any private Slack channel without being invited. I feel like this is an unacceptable behavior. What should I do? Should I just reach out to him and ask him not to abuse his admin privileges? Should I set up a Discord server for me and my fellow developers? Or should I take the soft skills engineering advice and quit my job? Mm. Have you heard the term shadow IT? I think I've heard you say it. Oh, well, I'm going to repeat myself, I guess. It's the idea that your company has some IT policies like use this software, don't use this software. Mm -hmm. And there's this shadow black market ecosystem of software that people use instead. Like say everyone is supposed to use Google Drive, but you really like 
Dropbox. I don't know. Like you'll figure out some way to use Dropbox. And this is usually said in a, in a bad way as, as like you need to get rid of shadow IT by providing better services. Okay. But in this case, I think this is a strong case for some shadow IT of oh. a different way to talk to all of your work folks without your boss being able to join. Didn't we find out years ago that terrorists were using like the chat feature built into certain online video games to plan their destruction? What? I don't know, but I'll find out if Google can tell me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a great idea in this situation. You could all be on what, I don't know, what's popular now? Minecraft? <laughs> you could all just be on Minecraft all the time and chatting with each other in there. Yeah, it's good because it doesn't have voice chat, so you can't uh, you can't swear at each other verbally just with text or yeah. with blocks. <laughs> you could. I guess you could write things in blocks. You could, yeah. If your IT department disables the chat feature in Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> What? How ISIS terrorists may have used PlayStation 4? There you go. Huh. All right. Maybe it happened. Put it in the show notes. That's crucial yep. information. <laughs> I found it linked on Google, and that's good enough for me. So we did this at a previous job. We just set up an IRC channel and relied on security through obscurity. I don't think it was private. It was just like, you probably won't guess this name on this random chat software that nobody told you we use yep so if it's work related you should talk about it in slack if you want to like complain about work with your friends i've done that before not on work run <laughs> chat medium yeah <laughs> turns out they exist you can create like a subreddit just for your team <laughs> yeah you should figure out what's the the most conspicuous way you could do it that still prevents somebody from finding it right like buy, buy domain names to send messages to each other or something like that. In the DNS text field. Yeah, <laughs> DNS text field. That would be great. I wonder if, I mean, someone's done like Telnet Star Wars. I wonder if someone's oh, yeah. done DNS TXT record Star Wars. <laughs> Chat over DNS TXT. I love that. That's a great idea. Wasn't there, uh, there's some company, Repolit, that, that mm -hmm. released some new feature. Somehow it exposed logs. Of, of requests people were making to their service and people turned it into a chat room. Where they would send <laughs> arbitrary uh, requests to, to th that would like have ASCII art in them and their message and someone built clients for it. And so this was like, it was an inadvertent disclosure, right? The logs were leaking. I didn't read it. So first of all, ignore me. But second of all, okay. I'm pretty sure it was some feature they did on purpose and they showed somehow like, check it out. You can see the logs. Okay. I see. And then people turned it into something cooler. And so you could basically build a chat client by uploading code to REPL.it with like console.log commands in it and then capture the output somehow? No, no, no. You would just like send a get request somewhere and the URL is like the me the message that would show up in the log because it would show someone made a request to this endpoint. Okay. Got it. I don't know what it is about me. I love it when developers find unintended uses, uses for things. I don't know. It just makes me happy. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine, but... Not in the bad way that like, you did it wrong at work, in the fun, <laughs> good way that you did it to entertain yourself. Exactly. It's like fun. But you want to know when I hate it? When? When my customers do it. Because <laughs> now, <laughs> now I have an implicit contract that I must never break. Like it turns out that any file storage you ever offer to anyone will immediately get used to store torrented videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's kind of like in that theme. And this is a way you can like upload your like tax records to share with each other. And then bam, somebody uploads 
season five, episode six of Game of Thrones immediately. <laughs> exactly. Great. Next thing you know, the MPAA is knocking on your door. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, anyway, back to back to the the question at hand. How do I boot my boss out of my private Slack channels? Oh man. Why does he do this? Yeah, that's gross. So there are private Slack channels at the place I work. Okay. But they're very easy to get invited to. It's basically like everyone that ever works with the team gets added to them. Okay. I'm sure there are private Slack channels that I can't see, but I don't care. I mean, the tree has fallen in the forest and I didn't hear it, so it doesn't matter. I'm I'm wondering what your what your engineering manager is trying to do, right? Is yeah. are are they monitoring for bad behavior somehow? Are they trying to figure out if you're actually slacking off and not working? Like I know that people on my team are playing StarCraft. I think it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Play I, on. I didn't have to sneak in to find that out. Yeah, they invited me. I can tell by the fact that you haven't produced any code in three weeks. <laughs> you and I are both engineering managers at this point, and I can barely keep up with the channels that I am invited to. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they don't have enough work to do. Yeah. Maybe you as a team are doing too good of a job and there's nothing to manage. So he's out there looking. Yeah, make some fires. That'll also make them look good because they'll be able to solve the problem. Yeah. This giant scary problem will pop up and then they'll be able to be the hero. Yeah. And it'll take their attention away from slack trolling, slack lurking. Honeypot channels. You need to make Ooh. some honeypot channels. Yes. <laughs> Get them to join. I love it. See if you can like, is this what they did with honeypots? You, you like drop information in that channel and see if your manager brings it up in some other context where the only place you put it was this channel that you're trying to get them to sneakily oh. listen in on. And then you'll find out if they were actually reading it. Some little interesting nugget that you know would be valuable to share in a meeting that you're in with that same manager and see if yep. they say it. But that, I mean, that's just a detection mechanism and you already have a detection me mechanism. I guess you already know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can just look at the member list. But I, I think the, the word, you, so I've heard of honeypots honey pits and tar pits so a honey pot is like an attractive target for a hacker that has you know it's like a fake exploitable machine on the internet and then a honey pit actually i don't know what a honey pit is let's, <laughs> let's get the tar pit Wait, no actually no tar pit doesn't exist it is honey pit honey pit i'm pretty sure i'm not going to google this i'm just going to look stupid and leave it out there but a honey pit is where you're trying to trick bots into wasting their time traversing endless urls and links to each other Right. And so it basically consumes resources of people that are out there harvesting email addresses and doing other nefarious things with bots. This is like a 20 year old concept, by the way. I, I don't I don't know if it's still in use anymore. Nowadays, they call it a tar pit. Back in the oh. day, maybe they called it a honey pit. Dang it. My instinct was right the first time. I know you should have stuck with it. So bring it on home. Now we know about tar pits and honey pots. I'm saying create a tar pit of Slack channels with all this bot traffic in there that just burns up your mm. boss's time trying to find the real Slack channels, okay. which are intermingled. Yeah. You could even do, I mean, just invite randos from the internet, right? To join your Slack teams. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, you need noise in there. Find some. Create like a fantasy novel discussion group. <laughs> yeah. A group of acquaintances that are playing that one online Final Fantasy game. Move away from Discord. Use my company's Slack. <laughs> It stores logs forever and has voice chat for free. <laughs> and as a side benefit to me, my boss will never find my messages again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you could, oh, here's what you do. Every week you have a rotating Slack, private Slack channel name 
that changes based on a hash of the day of the year and the and the year, you know. And so it's uh-huh. constantly shifting like a like an enigma machine from World War II Germany. Yeah. And so your boss is always trying to f- break the code because he doesn't know what salt you used every day. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So you, you switch to a new channel on a regular interval. Yeah. Using okay. a secret key as your hash. All of these will work. Yes. Pick any one of them. I do think it's fair to ask, what are you trying to do? I feel like in a small enough org, I would just make all channels public. Yeah. Maybe that's an option. And then you can just say, there's not this expectation of privacy that we are that we are destroying by having this manager creep on stuff. But mm-hmm. it also does sound like they're trying to gather information in a way that's making the team feel bad. Might have some some unintended consequences. Why don't they just ask you their questions? I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Your boss has every right to be in the private Slack channels with you. I mean... Yeah, that's true. That's like a feature of Slack. Yeah. <laughs> like admins can can see all the messages. I mean, maybe he doesn't even think it's surreptitious. So, I don't know. That is a feature of Slack, right? I just assume it is. Yeah, I mean, everything's persisted forever. Who do you think's not going to read this? As an individual contributor, would you feel weird going to your manager saying, hey, how come you're looking at our Slack channels? Like That, that seems yeah. like a weird question to ask. Like, of course your manager's looking at your Slack channels. Yeah, I mean, if you made a Slack channel called My Boss Really Sucks then it's going to be awkward to say, hey, why are you looking at my Slack channel <laughs> called My Boss Really Sucks? And then your boss will say, why did you make a Slack channel called My Boss Really Sucks? <laughs> and then even even if you have a more innocent Slack channel name, still the boss's question is like, why do you have a channel where you don't want your boss in there? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, this just yeah. turn, it turns around fast in my opinion. So I, I don't know. I feel like it's fine for your boss to be there. If I were your boss, I would not want to be in a slack channel where people didn't know i was in there yeah i just i work for a really big company and i have no expectation of privacy on any text i ever send over the company systems i just assume that anyone at any time will be able to pull it out and like it might be inconvenient for me sometimes when someone finds the dumb typos i made or i might get in trouble for i don't know starting rumors that so and so isn't i can't think of something dumb enough someone's tesla is fake it's actually this carbon fiber body kit they put on a little geo metro yeah <laughs> no it has to be like a really fuel inefficient car that cyber truck is actually a hummer yeah. <laughs> it gets four miles to the gallon yeah they'll find out my machiavellian plan to turn the company against this person by starting rumors about how inefficient they're electric car is but if i wanted to have private conversations i would do it privately that's not slack yep except for our slack because we don't pay for it so we can't get the logs (laughs) oh that's true wait is that true i've never tried i'm pretty sure we can't yeah i'm sure they would i I haven't tried either but i think that's a pay (laughs) yeah that's true we have a slack community it's it's all occurs to me maybe this question is actually about us that's true well i don't know i haven't I don't know if they're private channels I can't join. We don't pay. So yeah, no way to no. I don't know. All right. Have we answered the question? I think so. I which I mean to summarize, I would say your boss has every business or every right to be in your private Slack channels. And why did you think otherwise? And should I set up a Discord server? Yeah, that'd be fun. You should do that. <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right. Question answered. I will read our next question. 
Thank you guys for your awesome podcast. I have recently begun my foray into management with the reception of my first subordinate. I selected him due to his illustrious undergraduate project presentation and his ability to expound on the intricacies of said projects. But I'm having a hard time managing my expectations. He is unable to complete the simplest of tasks, often going off on tangents that despite being given the answer, result in spending hours in unrelated rabbit holes. Additionally, he asked for a high salary and was promised an increase scheduled ahead of review. As a first-time manager, I worry that I'm inflicting unrealistic expectations, especially since software is my passion. I enjoy learning new languages and technologies. What is the best way to let him know that he is not meeting expectations? How can I say this without my typical brashness, which will ultimately result in me blurting out something to the tune of, you aren't nearly as capable as you made yourself out to be? Huh. Software is my passion. I always think of graphic design as my passion. Yeah, have you seen these, Dave? It's a meme about design that will sound really dumb when I say it out loud. So <laughs> As memes do. Stop saying it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, come on, just Forget say it. it. It'll be great. No, I, I mean, I did. Like, that's oh. it. I just... That's all it is. It's okay. just a, it's 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 like a crappy rainbow background that says uh, with graphic design is my passion on it. <laughs> it's someone's <laughs> fake joke portfolio. I like it. So I guess the software equivalent would be like software is my passion, and it's like I don't know what it would be. S- some like books about functional programming. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd have to be something that clearly demonstrates it is not your passion or you're really bad at it. But all the things I can think of would be hard to do or demonstrate that you knew what you were doing, kind right. of. I don't know. It's impossible. Software can't be your passion. That's the summary. That's right. <laughs> not in a meme, not in the meme space anyway. Not yeah, you cannot you cannot translate this into a program. Actually, I'm sure you can, and I want our listeners to tell us how we would do it. Okay. I also like the illustrious undergrad project presentation. Yeah. And it makes me think of like illustrated manuscripts for some reason. Okay. Where, so there's like a PowerPoint slide and it's got this giant hand-drawn like E at the beginning of the letter of the sentence okay. instead of Helvetica. Oh yeah. Like an old English letter. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's dressed in a tunic okay. or a, a doublet of some sort. Okay. Fanfare. I don't know, illustrious undergraduate project presentation. That That's what makes it illustrious in your mind? I think so. It's yeah. like fancy lettering. I, <laughs> fancy lettering, elegant garb. Yeah. <laughs> and a fake <laughs> British accent. <laughs> of course. <laughs> or if you're from, I mean, if they're from the UK, then I'm not sure what you would do. Yeah, now what? Where do you go? You can't go up from there. Yeah, you got to turn it country. Yeah. No. <laughs> wear a farmer hat and <laughs> boots and... What's higher status than cowboys in England? Nothing. No. <laughs> That's if clearly there's one thing I know about English culture. It's that. I don't remember if this was a conversation with you, but where you or someone who reminds me of you was talking to a British person and just saying, "Have you noticed that whenever British people speak, Americans think they're automatically intelligent just by their accent?" And the British person says, "Yeah, I've heard that before." And then the American says, do, do British people think the same about Americans? And the British person just <laughs> cracked up, just started laughing. <laughs> Gosh, no. Heavens, no. Good heavens. <laughs> oh, man. So How funny. doffed. <laughs> all right. So all the helps out of the way. Yep. Got that out of the way. Now down to business. Round two. <laughs> How do you tell a brand new engineer out of school that they are not performing 
that they're completely distracted, not producing anything, but you're also worried that you might have an inflated expectation of what a new hire out of college should be doing. Yeah. Have you ever worked with any other new hires as a, as a peer? This is their first person they're managing, it sounds like, but I wonder if they have any experience just comparing them to other folks they work yeah. side by side with. Yeah, and, and this, this particular question asker is concerned about comparing the new person with themselves because they consider themselves to be kind of a high passion, or as I was once accused of being hyperactive, engineer who, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true story, maybe some other time. And so the baseline is all screwed up. Like, maybe I'm just overly ambitious and... Maybe I'm just too good. Yeah, maybe I'm just fan-freaking-tastic. No one can measure up next to me. Yeah, so you shouldn't compare people to yourself. You should compare people to some impossible to create, but but theoretical objective <laughs> expectation of performance. Yes. Use that standard. Yeah. Well, it is impossible. I don't know. I don't of course think I've it ever is. seen no one no one knows how to measure this stuff. But you should be able to have something besides this person doesn't do what I do to yeah. judge and evaluate them. Well, the way that human beings tend to do this at scale and as objectively as possible is by bringing in unbiased observers to make comments on it. People who don't have a horse in the race and who can objectively measure because of some level of expertise what they think is a good performance. And then you come to consensus. And that, that's pretty much, I think, the only way we've ever really tried to tackle the objectivity problem of measuring performance in software. So you're saying get get an opinion from somebody else? That's right. And, and the, the way that I've seen performance appraisals done really well is where managers actually don't form an opinion themselves, but rather they collect opinion data, if you will. Data is probably probably too strong of a word, but opinion facts, they co- <laughs> opinion truth. Maybe maybe the term is data points. They collect data points mm. from other individuals who have vantage into this person's work, and then they form an opinion from those collected data points. But you have to be careful what you choose. But anyway, long story short, yeah, you're probably you are right to question your own ability to measure this person's direct performance as a first-time manager. Yeah. I think you need to take the personal stuff away from it completely though. Like you you can't you can't talk about how you would spend your time to make up for these mistakes by studying more outside of work or something like that. That's not it doesn't matter what they do outside of work. It matters what they're producing. You should be able to have some rough idea of like this is a small easy task and I'd expect it to take a day or so and it took you like two weeks and you got really stuck on it and that's not our expectations it's just to do that faster I think you have to tell them too and a performance an increased schedule ahead of review so you're saying that that means we'll hire you and then at this date you will get an increase without any conditions on it is that what you think this is, Dave? I think what they're saying is that normally they would be scheduled for a review and salary adjustment at a certain time, probably 12 months from hire, but that they decided in this case, part of the offer to entice this person to join the company was that they would do an accelerated review at, let's just say, yeah. si- the six-month point instead Yeah, with a target based on performance. And that, that's pretty common offer language. So I've had a situation kind of like this happen to me where I was really, really excited about a candidate and then the performance after we hired them just did not at all match my high expectations given how great the interviewing process went. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I feel dumb. <laughs> like, oh, really? Makes, yeah. Maybe that's the root of all of my interviewing evaluation nihilism is... is That one instance? 
<laughs> yeah. Like I, I was convinced this person will come in and be amazing. And we made some accommodations for them, some similar stuff like this around salary. And, and it's pretty awkward to go back and say, hey, like, you know how you negotiated really hard and we gave you extra stuff? Well, you're barely hanging on. And yeah. we wish we didn't do that. That is awkward. And that's why it's so important to... I, I just love that you had this experience, actually. That now you know, like... Now I love it, yeah. No, Well, <laughs> how long ago was this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was a couple weeks Several ago. years? Okay. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> it's from the future. Isn't it great, though? Because I've had this experience, too, where it, it opens you up to blind spots in your own interview process where you say, oh, I wish I had thought to ask X, where X is whatever bad behavior or, or knowledge gap or behavioral problem this person has. Yep. So next time, that'll help you. Yep. This time, it will not. That's right. Yeah, I think you got to tell him the closer it is to when he expects to get his scheduled raise, the worse it's going to be, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if the performance is bad enough, earlier is always better in performance feedback like this. So Yes. If it's not conditional on his performance, then you're in trouble because it should be, and you might have to make it conditional on his performance when he's not expecting it to be. But if it is, then you need to clearly communicate, hey, you're not conditioning it. It's conditional on performance, and it's not, you're not doing it. You're not putting in the conditioner <laughs> that we yep. needed. Just speak in obscure metaphors. I'm sure it'll be fine. What's the best way to let him know? What is the best way to let him know? I think as a manager, especially as a first-time manager, it does behoove you to get a second opinion on this before you rush in and say, you're not meeting my expectations. Mm-hmm. Get that data point. Explain as objectively as possible. Explain the situation. And be darn sure you haven't missed some nuance because software engineering is nuanced. And a lot of times, you know, as a manager, the the whole point of being a manager is that you can abstract away some of the details of the day-to-day work and get become a force multiplier and let other people work and work through them to accomplish things. But sometimes what that means is that you don't have perspective on the unique challenges of the tasks that you've assigned the individual. And so they might have a really good reason why it took a long time, and you should give them a chance to explain that. But in this case, it looks like the manager's got pretty clear vantage and the person's just kind of spending time off on tangents learning things, you know? Yeah. I kind of feel bad for just using a mocking tone and saying learning things. You don't learn things after school. (laughs) Learning? What do you think this this? is? (laughs) Jeez. We don't pay you to learn. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that was dumb, but let's let's just say <laughs> I, I would get a second opinion, and then I think I want to reinforce what Jameson said. It's never too early to give feedback, and it can be. It's very easy to be too late. The last thing you want is this person walking into their six month review that you specially arranged for them to find out no for the last six months you have not been meeting my expectations. Yeah, and the first thing they're going to think is, well, I wish you had told me so I could have worked on it. Yeah. A useful framework I've I've heard and experienced for giving negative feedback like this is situation, behavior, impact. Okay. So you explain what the situation, where the thing happened was. Like in this case, it'd be, I gave you this task. It was laid out clearly this way, and it had these, I don't know, expectations and requirements. The behavior is you went on this rabbit hole. You spent hours solving unrelated problems that don't relate to the task and won't really help us. And the impact is now we're going to miss this deadline or, yeah. I don't know, this other person had to stay late or whatever. If you if you break it down like that, then instead of just saying, like, you're too slow, 
that's vague and hard to respond to and also hard to correct, right? If someone told me, go faster, I would cry first. But then after I wiped my tears away, yeah. <laughs> then I'd wonder like, what does that mean? Like, how yeah. do I, I mean, I, I guess I'll figure it out. Like type faster? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Talk faster? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I already go really fast when I sprint from my bed when I wake up in the morning to my chair to sit yeah. down to work. I don't know how much faster you could go without injuring yourself. Yeah, that'd be unsafe. I can't have that. I love what you just said. And it, this actually reminds me of a situation from a few seconds ago where there was a situation where you had <laughs> you had a question from a listener and you answered it very succinctly. And the impact was that I didn't have anything to say. And I like that. <laughs> Our witty repartee was damaged. <laughs> and then... The, and then the listeners all dropped and then we spiraled down yeah. from there. <laughs> this was the peak. This was the moment it all went down. Yeah, it all turned around. No, I was actually, I was using the situation behavior impact pattern to give you a compliment and say that you were meeting expectations. Oh, thank you. That's a good point. You can use it to give compliments mm -hmm. and specific compliments are really helpful too. Absolutely. For some people, a, a generic great job there, sport is <laughs> kind of demeaning. <laughs> but if you tell them... More specifically, it makes them feel better. For sure. One other thing I wanted to say, you will probably suck at this. You'll okay. probably mess it up. Okay. And if you don't, that's rad. But this is not a comfortable or normal thing for lots of software developers to do. So you might have to go into it knowing that you'll try your best, but you, you might muddle through it a little bit. And that's yeah. okay. And this is a skill you get better with, with time and practice, just like anything else. And don't worry, because this person's brand new out of college and they don't have any baseline to compare you against. So <laughs> they won't know if you're doing a good or bad job. You will feature prominently in their career narrative. Yes, Everybody's got will. stories about that one person and it's yep. good to know you'll be remembered. Yeah, you'll be remembered one way or another. <laughs> yeah, I, I just know I can pick out people who I'm like, that person tells stories about me and they don't sound very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, That's, well, those are the voices you go to sleep at night thinking every night. Yep. You? Shoot. I failed. No one can tell stories about me that aren't great. Yeah. Have we answered the question? I think so. Best of luck. Good luck. What can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click ask a question where you can fill out our form. And we just want to say thank you to the, all the people who do that every week. We really appreciate all these great questions. We will one day answer them all. Some days we get closer because we answer more than we get. Some days we get further behind, but we haven't stopped the show yet. So let me just say it's been a long time since we've answered more than we get. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Some uh, some bad stuff has to happen to lower the question volume for us to catch up. Yeah. But we're committed to it. Yeah. You realize that eventually this results in us like, I don't know, destroying the internet so no one can send us questions. Yes. Right. We have to fulfill this promise we made that we'll answer all the questions. Stop the questions. Stop the questions. This this feels like a good time to say, I remember after our first few episodes, I don't know what it was, four or five years ago, and I thought, yeah, we'll probably do two or three of these episodes and we'll run out of things to answer. Yep. Look at how far we've come. Now we're plotting to blow up the ocean so we can stop the <laughs> inflow of questions to catch up. Stop. We, We've made it. Nothing Jameson said should encourage you not to ask that question you've been thinking. So please ask the question. We still want it, even though we are going to have to boil the ocean to, to answer it. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.